You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about bookish social media with author and podcaster, Sarah Enney. But first, what are you reading, Bria? I am reading, so I just, I went to Disney World. And I wanted, I and I reached out to people, asked what their favorite books of the year were, um, and I got a book that just came out that I wanted something sort of fantastical because I was in Disney World, um, and I read The 10,000 Doors of January by <gasps> Alex E. Harrow. Uh, Laura, my best friend Lauren Panapinto over at Orbit did that book cover. Uh, the cover's really good. It's gorgeous. It's really good. It really made me want to read it, actually. Um, it's, it's basically about um, January, and... Um, She's in a situation in which she realizes... Or her daughter's name, or the main character's name is... Yes, January. it's not the month. Um, there's doors all over the world that you can open up and you go into other worlds. Mm-hmm. 10,000 of them, even. Wow. Possibly. Um, I think there are 10,000. And she realizes she can do this. And in doing this, um, she is like in not a great home situation. Her father travels all the time and um, they live with a very rich man who is like sort of their benefactor but it's not clear what their relationship is uh, or why he's their benefactor and she does find out why he's the benefactor and then her dad disappears and there's a secret book there's all these things that happens it's really a nice fun um fantasy sort of um young adult book that has a romance and then she gets older so is it still young adult who could say that's um, an interesting question if she it, ages if the, the book. character ages up does it stay she ages. YA? yeah i think this i don't think this book is pitched as ya i think it's like an adult fiction book because orbit doesn't do ya yeah what does it say? i think it's like, just a regular it's fantasy book Magic, you're right it's called it does say it's a coming of age um, but anyway, it's great. It also has like a lot of historical stuff in it as well. It has romance in it. It has, uh, yeah, it's great. I really enjoyed it. It is super fun. Um, if you're looking for like a really escapist book, because they go to all these different kinds of places because there's cool. doors going all sorts of places. Do you like a journey on a ship? Here it is. Like there's just like all sorts of fun stuff in it. Um, what about you? What are you reading? So I just started a book that I'm really excited about. Uh, it is a YA book. And it's not, I guess it is horror, but it's like, because uh, I got, I put it on my library holds list in October and I just got it. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I'm kind of cheating on my, I'm going to only read, I was going to read a bunch of fantasy in November, but it's, you know what? The library uh, dictates my life. The library giveth and library taketh away. It's true. Uh, it's called The Bone Houses by Emily Lloyd Jones. And it's kind of, I, it's kind of like the graveyard book meets Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, cool. I just, just started it. Uh, but it's a really cool world uh, where it's like this town and this family, they're, they, what they do is they are grave diggers. But in this world, uh, in this town, the corpses come back sometimes and they're called the bone houses. Ooh. And like that's part of the grave digger's job is they have to put the corpses back down. Oh, that's cool. I like that. <laughs> and that's all I know so far. Uh, her family is all like not doing great. Uh, um, so, but what, what attracted me to this book is there's a lot, apparently a lot of fairy tale elements because I, I think she meets up with a boy and they have to go on some kind of journey, some kind of magical fashion. Oh. I don't know. So it's like, I love, I, it's like, Someone said it was like a classic fairy tale meets classic horror. And oh, I was cool. like, oh, shit, that I am fucking there. That's cool. Uh, but I really like it so far. So that's The Bone Houses by Emily Lloyd-Jones. And mine's The 10,000 Doors of January by Alex E. Harrow. So we're going to take a moment to answer a recommendation request from Eric. Eric says, as a male that strives to behave respectfully and also engage in intellectual discussions, I find myself in a touchy location when discussing feminism. This is especially the case when attempting to defend it to a female. Ironically and sadly, this is more common than most would think. Are there any good recommendations regarding essential feminism written for males who want to be helpful and productive advocators? Uh, First up, Eric, uh, female is a descriptor. Uh, so you can just say a woman. Uh, saying a female makes you sound like that creepy dude on Star Trek. I don't think you're meaning to, to say well, this. Well, he also says a male. Yeah, so that's what I mean. Males. I don't think he this means is just that. like the way he talks. Yes. Yeah. But female in this context is just a descriptor. Yes. So I see what you're saying. Just say a woman. It, it's um, also the it's in uh, a clueless. At one point, he's he's like when a female like they they like talk about yeah yeah it makes just, it's very nineties yeah so just say just say a woman um. But I, I would start by reading Men Explain Things to Be by Re- Rebecca Solnit, uh, which is a great, it's a short book. 
a lot of great essays on there about specifically about how men talk to women. Hmm. Um, So I think this would really help Eric from looking at things from that perspective, especially since that's like what he wants to do is to talk to women respectfully. Um, This like the whole it's an amazing essay collection, but the main essay is called The Men Explain Things to Me. And it starts out by her her experience at this party where this guy was talking about an article that he read about this book that was coming out and explaining it to her until finally one of her friends finally interrupted him and was like, this woman that you're talking to wrote that book. <laughs> like, let her fucking talk. <laughs> um, so, but then it's like, it's just a great, great introductory thing, uh, book for men to read. Um, also, We Should All Be Feminist by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. Uh, these are good, really short introductory texts on feminism that will help you understand and discuss things a little better. It's a great intro um, to feminism. Yeah. And also, you know, it's not completely your job to explain feminism to a woman. Yeah. I'm like, that's what I'm getting at. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not your job. And don't, I mean, I, I appreciate you taking on this burden. Yes. <laughs> but like, you know, if a woman is not ready for it, she's not ready for it, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I think having it explained by a man, I, I would be less open to it. That's why, that's why I want him to read men explain things to me. Yeah. To yeah. Think yeah. about what it would be like for a woman to have stuff explained to her by a man. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if someone explained to me, like your life is hard because of this, I'd be like, yeah, let me figure that out. But that's also, but when know. women want to know things, they will ask. Oh, for sure. That's the thing. Like I have a friend at our gym that like, I'm really trying to get better about weightlifting like i'm finally gonna start deadlifting i'm very excited about it and there's a guy who's at the gym at five every day with me um and he's super nice and i always am asking his opinion on stuff but i would not like it at all if that those same opinions he just came up to me was like hey you know you're benching wrong i'd be like uh i didn't ask for this it's all about consent sure and if a woman isn't consenting to you to have explain feminism to her you don't have it's not your job to do that yeah um i would i would um yeah, but books, books, books. We can we can suggest books. We can we suggest books. Um, uh, I'm gonna say, um, Bell Hooks also writes a lot of really easily accessible for everyone feminist subjects. Um, Feminism is for everybody is a great book. Yeah, uh, and you could buy copies of that and just maybe leave it around. Yeah, what like if a, you wanted like to do a that? little feminism fairy? Yeah, you could do that wherever wherever this woman hangs out. Just leave it there, and like maybe a cookie on it. Yeah, and don't say anything. See what happens. <laughs> um, she also uh, Bell Hooks also wrote this book called "The Will to Change Men, Masculinity, and Love" because I do think there is, uh, and I like that Bell Hooks writes about masculinity because I think it needs to be which as, needs to be examined just as much as femininity. You know, um, th- and there's quite a few books on this subject. I haven't read probably as many as I should, um, but I think finding a way into feminism from a masculine point of view is a worthy cause because we talk about toxic masculinity all the time but we need to discover what is non-toxic masculinity like that's the flip side of the coin what is yeah non-toxic femininity what is like i mean if what is what are these words that we use a lot because men are so inundated with masculinity yes um and dealing with and learning how to deal with that within himself i can't think of his name eric within eric's self um so I think there's a lot of books written from the male point of view or about masculinity, which is maybe a way for him to enter to look into feminism as well, because feminism is about men and women. It has to be like there's no yeah. men, women and everybody like it's about like no matter what you identify with, it's going to be have to be relevant to you in some way, shape or form, whether you like it or not. Cause, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is we can as women or in like as everyone can be as feminist as possible. And that's fantastic. But we're still operating in a patriarchy. Sure. We're still operating in a larger system that is, you know, set against us. So unless we start changing both sides of the coin. Sure. Like. I think we do. And I think I, especially like my age people has done a great disservice for the way the men were raised, raised at my yes. age. And I think until we change that, things are not going to be changed. No. Like, because if we keep raising our men in a certain way. Men, women still have to deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's true. That's literally what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, it's like we just aren't, they're never going to be able to get past it. So I think that that's a huge thing that feminism is talking about in a, yes. in a way that I really appreciate. Like you can train all the zombie hunters in the world that you want, but mm-hmm. if they're still zombies, they're still going to have a problem. Right, right. It's still zombies and they don't understand how to not be zombies. <laughs> yes. So quick bookmark from me on the author front. The paperback version of my book is now available to pre-order. So if you are like me and you love a trade paperback, because uh, they're cheaper and 
lighter and easier to travel with, now is your chance. Uh, you folks know from listening to the show that pre-ordering is the best way to support an author and me and uh, me feeding my cats. So that is available right now. And also I am going on tour again. So I'm going on tour uh, next spring from March into April uh, on the West Coast to uh, support Lady from the Black Lagoon. I have a I'm doing a launch party in L.A. again, and I don't think I can announce it yet, but I have a very special surprise uh, for the launch party. It's going to be the last bookstore again. So if you're in L.A. and interested in going to that, uh, don't pre-order it. Buy a ticket to that event because you'll get a, tr- uh, a paperback when you get a ticket. That's like oh, the cool. thing. It's like you have to buy a certain amount of books or you have to buy like buy um, – a, to like a ticket and that'll get you a book and that reserves you a spot uh so i'm very excited about this as a trade paperback fan i'm just like so excited to like have my own trade paperback version of this book uh so thank you all for all this like i cannot even believe how far this book has gone thank you for all the support and if you are interested in uh any of those dates they'll they're on my website and i will put a link to that in the show notes hi everyone quick surprise exciting bookmark for me Lady from the Black Lagoon is up for a Goodreads Choice Award this year, and I am so honored and so proud and so grateful, especially to all the amazing glassers out there who wrote it in in the first round to make sure it was in the semifinals. So if you want to support me, if you love the Lady from the Black Lagoon, you can go to Goodreads right now and vote for the Lady from the Black Lagoon. It is under the history biography section, and I would so appreciate if you took the time to go do that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And now we're going to do a quick check-in with our NaNoWriMo participants of the month. I hope everyone is writing away speedily. So we're here with NaNoWriMo participant Aaron Edgar. Um, so we're 10 days in. Um, Aaron, how are you feeling right now? I am feeling like my creative muse has up and down spurts. Okay. I know I'm not on target for what the word count is supposed to be, but that's okay because I'm at 12,223 words. Oh, that's great. And the goal is to get down words. That's right. That's exactly right. I think you're doing great. Is this your first time to participate in NaNoWriMo or have you done it before? I did it one time last year in November of 2018, but it was a very last minute decision. I had not prepared anything and I very quickly petered out because I had no plot in mind, and it just kind of died. Got it. Okay. Okay. But this this year, you're you're getting going, and you were prepared. Now, tell everybody what you're writing about. I am writing a romantic comedy about a woman who inherits a farm. Well, it's an olive plantation. She just happens to be able to talk to trees, and once she's there, she meets the love of her life, who, whom she left 20 years ago. And if they rekindle things, that's the whole point of the book. Oh, I love it. That's great. You're one of the few people who was writing a romance. So that's why we were excited to hear from you. Yes. I uh, had not ever considered romance something I read until about a year ago. And I had a, a trying family experience, realized that I really wanted people to have a happily ever after. So why not read books in that vein? Also, I found out that my grandmother was unexpectedly addicted to romances. It was not something I ever thought she would be interested (laughs) in. So I picked them up and started reading them and really started enjoying them. Some of them were very smart, talked about issues that were important, and um, really held my interest more than I thought they would. I love it. That's great. We love to hear that on the show. Um, Good luck. We're so excited. We're rooting for you. Hey, Tom Merritt here with my NaNoWriMo update. And I am in the throes of the second week. I don't know what you call it. I always hit this in the second week. It's always It always happens to me. I don't know if it happens to anybody else. But day eight of NaNoWriMo, I always start to hit a wall where I don't know what's going to happen anymore. And the thing is, what's beautiful about NaNoWriMo is I never let that get to me. I never let it dissuade me. I sit down and I just start typing some words because I know I've got to get my 1,600 words done And uh, it usually works itself out all through the week. And it's no exception today. I just finished writing today and there's no exception. I think, ah, this is awful. This is not going to work. I'm going to have to go back and tear all this stuff out. And the fact of the matter is I've done this over and over and over again. When I go back in and look at what I've done later, I definitely tear stuff out, but I can't tell what's from the second week. And it's definitely not 
the second week that gets torn out. So it's just one of those things where you've, you've got to plow through. you got to get through it uh, and get to the point where you start to feel like you're story is picking up again. And that, that's where I am right now. Uh, my characters, uh, I actually blew something up the other day because I'm like, I, I don't know what these characters are doing right now. So I exploded something. That helped. That that got some things moving again. So anyway, that's my check-in on NaNoWriMo. Thanks, y'all. Talk to you later. Now, I remember advent calendars. Yes, and they always used to be filled with those gross chocolates. You were set on those gross chocolates. Oh, they're Wouldn't so... Wouldn't you like if they were filled with something you enjoyed? Yes. Cats? Uh, that would be a lot of cats. It'd be 25 days of cats. And that would be a really big box. <laughs> it would be a huge advent calendar. It'd have to take up like a whole wall. What if it was filled with short stories? That would be amazing. Yeah. So Reading Glasses is sponsored in part today by Hickson and Olson, which are the makers of the short story advent calendar. Bria, what does that mean? Short story advent calendar. Um, so it's a deluxe box set of 25 individually bound, non-religious literary short stories that readers open up each day leading up to Christmas. So you start December 1st. End up Christmas Day. And if you're me and you don't know anything about Jesus, you don't have to worry about it. Exactly, because they're non-religious. Yep. Which is great. And each story is sealed, so you won't know what's inside until you open it. And then you know that if somebody in your house is cheating and reading them ahead of time, you'll be able to find out. figure it out. And each each story is labeled as a giant number on the front, which is really cute. Oh, it's so cute. And so when you're done reading, you can go to shortstoryadventcalendar.com and read an interview with the author that's specific to Short Story Advent Calendar. Yeah. As you might remember, I was a big fan of a book called American War by Omar El-Akkad, and that is one – he has one of the the short stories. Uh, But there's also other – other people like Pulitzer Prize winner Anthony Doerr and Lauren Groff, who we're both fans of. Yes, and the box is so adorable. It is. Like, I don't even know if you have to wrap this thing. Like, you definitely don't. You could just hand it to someone. You could put sure. like one of those sticky bows on top. Yeah, but I wouldn't even do that because it's so pretty. But I do like the sticky bows. Okay, fine. I absolutely love this. I immediately gave it to my boyfriend who is really into both short stories and Christmas. And we're going to read them all the way leading up to Christmas. Aww. We're very excited. But you don't have to wait until Christmas. You don't even have to wait until December. You can order your copy today from shortstoryadventcalendar.com and enter the promo code glasses at checkout to get 10% off your purchase. Yeah, and I think this is a great, a great gift for the book reader in your life. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to figure out what to get them, I, this is a wonderful, like, I know right now everyone's panicking because you, you're you like, have they already read this book? What do I get them? You don't they have haven't to worry read about this. it. They haven't read this. So this is a great gift for the reader in your life. So that's shortstoryadventcalendar.com, promo code glasses. Glasses. Fairhaven's a hip town craft breweries, killer music scene. There's only one catch. The bloodthirsty monsters. Feel free to hit the deck while we lay down some suppressing fire. You're gonna kill them? Nah, these are shock rounds, so it should just knock them out. We use these on the kids after they've had too much sugar cereal. Hun, stop! We do not! He's such a jokester, this one. Anyway, hit the deck, please! Ah! Yeah! 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 Get some! Take it! Get some! Bubble, the sci-fi comedy from MaximumFun.org. Just open your podcast app and search for Bubble. It's all about bookish social media. Social media has changed the world of books drastically over the past few years, from how authors and publishers promote books to how readers find, review, and recommend books. The internet is a huge part of the book community now. We're going to talk about how we use it and why. And we have author and podcaster Sarah Any here to discuss it with us. Hi. First off, Sarah, thank you for joining us. Oh, my. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be on this podcast. You had what? to drive like all of 10 minutes. Oh, <laughs> that. It was a real stretch for me. <laughs> uh, what are you reading right now? Um, I am reading right now I'm in the middle of two books and I, I would love to hear if you guys ever do this. I used to read multiple books at a time when I was a kid up forever, but then I, I just picked it up again recently because I read so much for my podcast. Mm. So right now I'm reading, um, Fountains of Silence by Ruta Sepetis. Wait, someone just literally this morning, someone recommended this to me on, on the internet. I've never heard of this. Yeah. Her debut book 
was about um, it's. Uh, she's always written historical fiction, historical young adult fiction. Between Shades of Grey. Yes, Between Shades of Grey. Hilariously, she talked about getting a funny bump because people accidentally bought it instead of Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> that was when it came out. That's genius. <laughs> However, it was. It's like a, she won a Carnegie Medal. It was like hugely. It was turned into a movie. It was a massive wow. success. She's kind of like a very serious writer, which is not all always the case in YA, right? Like she's yeah. like someone who researches and writes these like really well-regarded um, historical fiction books, uh, historical fiction books. Wow. But anyway, uh, this is my first book that I'm reading of by her, but I'm going to interview her this week, which I'm super excited cool. about. And for your podcast. For the podcast. What is, sorry, I'm, we're going to get out of order here, but what is the name of your podcast so people know? Yeah, it's called First Draft with Sarah Enney. And um, I interview a ton of writers trying to talk to also screenwriters, TV writers, songwriters, and that kind of stuff too. But um, but there's like 200 plus episodes of largely young adult um, authors. Wow. So if people are into that kind of stuff, you can Lee Bardugo, who just came out with her first adult book. I've talked to her a bunch of times, like uh, just a ton of people. Um, so, and, and Ruta is, this will be my first time meeting her. So oh, I'm cool. super excited. Cool. Um, but the other book I'm reading is called Better Than Before by Gretchen, Ru- Gretchen Rubin. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, I love you guys. Bria is a big, uh, yeah, Gretchen, big Gretchen Rubin. Rubin fan. Okay. I got obsessed with the four tendencies. Yeah. Yeah. The four tendencies are really helpful. I try to tell people about them all the time. <laughs> Thank you. I just had, I made my mom, we went, I went on vacation with my family. I made my mom take the test. She was like, first, the result she got was rebel because she was sitting there with me. And I was like, you are not a rebel, which is like the <laughs> rudest thing to tell someone. I was like, you took the test wrong. But then she was like, later, she took it again by herself and she was like, I'm an obliger. Oh, and I was like, the most wow. obliger thing you ever did was take <laughs> a rebel. rebel. By That's hilarious. The t- yes, so yes. But it has actually, like, reading that. So I read Gretchen Rubin's Four Tendencies, and now I'm reading the book about how to set more positive habits for yourself. Oh, okay. That's what that one is. Yeah. Is that the and, new one? Um, this one, The Four Tendencies is the, is the newest one, and this is the one where she first introduced that, but in the context of habit forming. Oh, got it. Okay, cool. So that I've been really a, good. Yeah. I've been on a kick with kind of self-helpy books this year, which seems cheesy, but it's actually kind of really no. helpful. And no, I love them. Lean I into love it. Them. No, don't, don't. Yeah. That's uh, I you said lean into it. Which <laughs> from, wow. Uh, wow. That's how self-helpy we've got. Yeah. <laughs> it's from a self-help book written by someone who works at Facebook, That's which leads true. into what Ugh. we are. Yeah, we're talking about. about oh, good transition. Well, Who's it's almost like you're a podcaster. <laughs> so, speaking of social media, so can you tell us about your new book, Tell Me Everything? Yes. So, Tell Me Everything is a young adult book um, about a 15-year-old girl named Ivy who is a visual artist and a photographer, but she's way too shy to share her work with almost anybody in her life. But she gets really obsessed with this new social media app that takes off at her school called Vale. On Veil, people can post artwork or poems or whatever they want anonymously. Ivy gets so obsessed with people's work on there, though, that she wants to find out who they are and to say thank you, basically, to do nice things for them. But it turns out when people put stuff on the internet anonymously, they want to stay anonymous, and she crosses all kinds of boundaries. And at the same time, she is maybe kind of falling in love with her best friend. Ooh. Yeah. Teen problems. <laughs> I love them. Mega teen problems. And I got to make a villain in the book whose name is Rake Bermkazerg. Amazing. Right. And that is uh, definitely, a, a, what's the word for it? I mixed up the letters of Mark Zuckerberg's name. Oh, oh that's hilarious. Nice, yeah. nice, 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 nice. Yeah. Yeah. What is that word? Is it an anagram? Anagram? Emma. Anagram. 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 Okay, great. Uh, Sean knows. <laughs> so this book really explores the way social media like affects our lives. How how does it change the life of your protagonist, and also how has it changed your life? Yeah, you know it it changed her life in interesting ways that I think actually, you know. A lot of times I think authors write books and then don't realize how autobiographical it is. Like my friends were like, yeah, though, this book is about you. (laughs) (laughs) So, so much like my main character, Ivy, I feel like social media has completely transformed my life. Like I met all kinds of writers on Twitter. I joined Twitter in 2009 and I met so many people who are now my in real life, super good friends. The reason I moved to Los Angeles, the connected group of writers that I um, talk to and hang out with every day in Los Angeles is all rooted in the community that I made on social media. So when people talk about how social media isn't real life, I'm like, no, 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 it is absolutely. At the same time, with, with both Ivy and myself, there's boundaries, right? There's ways in which putting things online isn't, is not real life and it can limit you if you don't take a break, put down your phone and actually mm-hmm. interact with the people around you. And I, and so, you know, Ivy's kind of struggling with, um, she's an artist and putting stuff online anonymously isn't really being an artist. That's not really sharing your 
heart or being vulnerable. It's putting up this shield and just uh, avoiding real yeah. human connection. Mm. And I think that's kind of the tension that I've been dealing with in my life is like, we all spend all of our time on Instagram and that's fun and can be truly like a way to build connection with people. But sometimes you have to be, just be like, can we just meet for coffee and right. actually hang out and like right. be vulnerable and share things that I wouldn't share on social media. So Right. Mm-hmm. And an acknowledgement that maybe there's different kinds of connections totally. with people yes. and there's different kinds of vulnerability. Because I think that sometimes it's easier... I mean, I find when I'm, especially I'm looking at other people's social media, people following me on social media will know that I'm not very vulnerable on social media, no. but I will find that people are very vulnerable on social media. Yes. Like they will say things that I'm like, wow, I wouldn't even say that. Those are like, that's like close friend talk, like okay. close yeah. friend one-on-one. Hey, I have to tell you something talk, which is fine. But I think it's just like, there's different kinds of the way people are being, allowing themselves to be vulnerable on social media. Does that make sense? Yes. That also reminds me of Brene Brown. Have yes. you been reading her? I didn't read her new one. I started reading her new one and I was kind of like, I wasn't in a place for it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Totally Which fair. is a very self-help book thing to say. Totally. <laughs> yeah. totally. But she has this saying that I thought was really uh, pertinent to this conversation where she was like, lack of boundaries is not vulnerability Mm. part of vulnerability is opening yourself up to reciprocation and if you're putting everything on the internet you can just put your phone down you don't necessarily have to engage with it Mm, so it's it's not really being vulnerable oh that's That's interesting that's interesting so how has this affected all of our reading lives i mean i remember when when social media really started and goodreads started and all of a sudden and i started an instagram and started sharing books on there it really, I think it has affected the way that we all find books and read. Bria, how has it affected your reading life? Um, I will say I don't, I mean, I, okay. So I get, I definitely, I don't feel like I am as part of like bookish internet as probably y'all are. I feel like I am still, I mean, I definitely will like see things and I'm like, oh, this is what the bookish internet is talking about. (laughs) And I feel like a little bit of a lurker where I'm like, I'm interested in this, whatever this conversation. You're like the home improvement neighbor. You just, your head pops up over the fence. That's exactly what it is. (laughs) Um, I will use it to get suggestions of what I'm going to read. I recently asked what people's favorite books of 2019 were. And that was like such, I literally think the rest of the year I'm just reading books from that list because it, it was, was like good, there was, was a quite a list. few that were like seconded and then people would say the same ones without yeah. seeing the other and i was like mm-hmm. oh this is super helpful so if someone's reading something i'm interested in yes um there's also people i follow who i'm like i just know i like the books that they read like there's yeah. a couple of people but it's really not that many and it, especially if like my friends who are like friends from other realms talk about books like then i definitely pay attention to that because yeah. if um, a book has crossed over into the non-bookish it, world yeah if the like, book is crossed if it's a crossover book like you know like i feel like there's been quite a few that will like people will be like have you read um I'm trying to think of like the last one what is that one that about game about they was a massive oh ready player one that was yes. like one that like i feel like everybody every, was reading and before it was even like option maybe it was already optioned but like there was like a few like that that crossover that i'm yeah. like oh i should like pick that up because it's like definitely been a crossover book and it's going to be a movie yeah. or whatever um and then you know i check good goodreads but only when i'm really trying to make a tough decision like if i'm like ooh, can, should i take this book off of my like is the final 20 judge. page deep wish list and yeah. then i'm like i'm gonna take it off because on goodreads it's like below a certain level then i'm like okay well then i'm gonna yeah. i'm and nobody who i'm following i'm friends with a lot of our, our like reading glassers on there though yes and i kind of look and see what they give things or if they've written reviews because a lot of them are like early reviewers too like yeah. they'll like review things really early but yeah i'm not i guess i'm not like that all being said i wouldn't say i totally rely on social media for my book reviews at all or what i'm gonna read next or anything what about y'all what about you yeah well this it's this is an interesting conversation for me because um because as an author, I, like Goodreads, I would never Same. even get I'm, I, anywhere close. My book came out this year, and I have not looked at Goodreads the oh, entire year. You're off Good of for you. You're not on Goodreads? No. Oh, you're not I on mean, Okay, I, yeah, I, this I, is an author uh, thing. Yeah. yeah. I technically have an account, but uh, I, why would I ever do that to myself? Same. Well, there's people who are Same. Yeah, authors yeah, yeah. on Goodreads, and they like answer questions and stuff. Totally. And, and you can use it for I'm that. a big baby person. I guess I have stuff probably on Goodreads, but I've never looked up to see how it's doing. Because I've written like three or four comic books. Don't look. Don't <laughs> yeah, stay I away. Never, I would never even think about it. That's very upholder of you to not yeah, 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 uh, isn't it? <laughs> indulge in something that's going to make you feel bad. I'm proud of you. Um, yeah, it's like, and, and I'm interested to hear what you feel about this because when I was thinking about book, like I'm also not looking at hashtags on Bookstagram. I'm not like, to me, I think even though I have the podcast, which for which it would actually benefit me to do those things, 
for my mental health and for my career as a writer, I feel very, it's very important to me to sort of have a distance from a book community in that way. Like it's sort of not for me and it's no, also it's not full of place stuff that's to not going to make me feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Author reviews and Goodreads are not for authors. I no, feel, definitely not. I feel like there should be a, it's like a tree house and there should be a big sign that says no authors allowed. Yeah. Right. It's not a talk back. It's not like we're like, here's no. our feedback about, it's not like you asked for feedback about your no, book. No, it's, it's exactly. just going to be up there it's whether you like it or not. It's not a fucking writer circle. Exactly. Yeah. No, no. And it's not like your friends telling you how they feel about your book. It's a bunch of strangers, you know? Yes. So I, that, that totally makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. But I will, I, I totally agree. Like. Um, I follow a bunch of like my Twitter is also pretty diverse as far as like I follow a bunch of politics. I follow a bunch of comedians. And so when I hear them talk about books, I'm like, oh, that's interesting to me. Yes. Um, I like getting outside of my circle. I'm primarily in YA circles. So in real life, I'll hear what people are talking about or reading. Um, but if I went into like YA lit Instagram, it, it would be a repetition of a lot of the books that I already know about. Yeah. So I do like getting a sense of what people outside of like the bookish community are interested in and trying to diversify reading that way yeah i mean i think uh social media has definitely like positively influenced my reading life mm. um again i try to stay off of it as an author because i'm a big baby and i <laughs> i'm too scared it to doesn't this. make you a baby i know i, I know. You- I, I, let me re- let me rephrase that i like to i'm stringent about my mental health yeah <laughs> very you're just, good you're yeah. just protecting yourself and that's yeah. okay it's okay to know where your boundaries are yes. Yes. that's a, that's just you know how to protect yourself it's and also like again i feel like i don't belong in that space like readers are over on goodreads reviewing the books honestly it's not fair for me to pop in and be like hey guys so i just like don't feel comfortable in that space yeah um and i think that there are a lot of obviously a lot of negatives to the internet um but I think, I mean, I'm, I've made a ton of book friends, mm-hmm. which is great. I meet a lot of other authors, which is great. That's yeah. a good part of my author life is like, I've met so, like our friend, Mike Chen, mm-hmm. the sci-fi author, him and I became friends on social media because we both like X-Files and nice. like, we just now we're like author pals. Um, I do get book recommendations mostly through Twitter, I think, or like Instagram. If I see friends like posting a photo of a book, then I'm like, oh, I should, I should check that out. Uh, I find new ways to use the library, uh, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Um, and I find out tons of new new authors, not even just like, oh, they're my friends. But like, I think that's one of my favorite things about social media, or at least about Twitter is like, I, I follow a ton of authors that mm-hmm. I love and you get all their events. You see all, when they're going to be signing, yeah. when their books are coming out, like interviews they're doing. Like there's a um, the author of Mostly Dead Things, Kristen Arnett. She is ama- she's a librarian too. She's amazing on Twitter. She's really funny. But, you know, whenever she writes a new essay, like I get to see that and read it and so that's really cool um and again like lots of cool book events so i think on the whole i get a lot of things from the bookish social media stuff i feel like you have to customize it to what you want to get out of it and where are y'all looking do y'all look at star writings at all for any books you're going to be reading never no no no, you guys are just picking them up i feel like i have someone recommended weird taste in books yeah that Same. like instead of go- looking at Goodreads or anything, like I have a handful of p- friends. Like if you like a book, Bria, I know that I'm probably gonna like it. If yeah. my boyfriend likes a book, I'm probably gonna like it. My best friend Lauren, if she like, like I have a few people that are also readers, and I know what kind of books they like. But I I never look on Goodreads. I just like okay, Wait, what about like an Amazon or a place I'd like to lodge a complaint about this. The library. The library system, people rate books so low on there. Yeah. Like, there's so many books that have, like, one star, and I'm like, this book is incredible, and it has, like, and I think no one rates on there, so just yes, some jerk right. comes around and it's is, like, like two um, people. Yeah, it's, yeah. Well, guess what? Brie Grant is one of them, because I've started going through and rating five stars okay. on things that good I thought were really good. It's, it's funny you say that, because I have been trying to figure out how to rate books on Libby, and I don't know how. Oh, oh. I do it on Overdrive online. Okay. I'm I don't think you can do it on Libby. That's the thing, is I've tried, there's been so many books I've read through, I read a, all my audiobooks through Libby, and I've tried to rate them because i was like oh that was amazing but then i look at the rating and it's like two stars yeah i feel like the library is like the yelp of books it's only where people go to complain <laughs> but that's what i was gonna say that's why i don't look at i don't look at stars or yelp for restaurants either because it's just like one person who brought a party of 15 to a mexican restaurant and was pissed they had to wait for 15 and minutes also it was their birthday i was just gonna yes. say a brief thing of like <laughs> yeah. it's, it was my birthday Today was my birthday and um i didn't I, make I a reservation restaurant and i didn't make a reservation and they didn't give me any cake one star <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that's a perfect segue into so what platforms are you are we all mostly looking at here i think i mostly look at i think i'm most likely to as we're just talking about read a book if someone i know and understand 
mentions it. Even if so they the say, platform of real life. Yeah, like I, exactly. Like I love, <laughs> I love, um, I am so much more likely to read a book if someone, if it comes up a conversation. So t- Twitter is the one that's, cause it's most yeah. like a conversation when people are talking about books. It's not, it doesn't even have to be mentioned positively. It's people just being like, oh, this was an interesting thing about this. Or this is an essay written by someone who has a new book out. Like that kind of thing makes me so much more interested. And I'm most likely to read, I think I'm most likely to read a book if it comes up a conversation or if it's. The author is reviewed on a podcast and I enjoy the conversation or if it's mentioned in any way, shape or form on NPR. That's like oh, pretty yeah, much that's a good one too. That's pretty much my wheelhouse. So you're mostly Goodreads, Bria, right? No, I'm not. I'm not getting recommendations from Goodreads oh. by any stretch of the imagination. I just go through and kind of like, um, what do you call it when you like pull things from your list? Cull? That's not the yeah. word. Yeah. Is yeah. it cull? Yeah. yeah. Cull. I like, I, I prune, you know, yeah. I like, and I like keep, I keep my list short, yeah. meaning it's not short. My TBR <laughs> list. Um, so I do look at Goodreads, but I would never get suggestions from Goodreads, really. Yeah, I it's, never either. It's all like, yeah, it's like more like someone I know recommended a book or it's on a podcast I listen to. There's a couple of recommendation podcasts I listen to, so mm-hmm. those I, I kind of like pay attention to. Yeah. Um, like Friend of the Shows, Professional Book Nerds, I listen to their mm, monthly yeah, one or, that they do. Yeah. Like, so I kind of pay attention to those. But yeah, for the most part, like I'm looking at blogs and stuff. I'm not so much relying on social media people. Yeah, yeah. I think the one I do get stuff from Twitter. I mostly get authors from Twitter, but I do. Yeah. I really like Instagram because I feel like Instagram is the most positive mm. social media platform. Like no one's making a beautifully framed Instagram photo of a book they fucking hate it. Oh you know? yeah, you're right. They're no right. one's like, that's here's true. this book in a pile of autumn leaves. One star. It fucking sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's true. Mostly I will say that does exist. However, does it? it's so yeah. bizarre. Oh, well, that's when thing that thing is, I never check the hashtags i there's a few bookstagrammers that i follow and i follow a ton of authors and just like my book friends like our mutual friend paul tremblay he instagrams like all like whenever he gets new books um when and then he'll like post a photo of like three new books that he got i'm like ooh, that looks really really good Mm -hmm. um but I don't, I never delve into the world of hashtags. Mm. I'm too scared. It's uh yeah, I, I would caution against it. <laughs> I think you're, you're well served to avoid that. I don't know who does, but apparently that's the way people use social media sometimes. Which is yeah. funny because I put a ton of hashtags on our Reading Glasses podcast Instagram page because I know that people use people them. People use them, I'd, yeah. Every once in a while, I check our Reading Glasses podcast hashtag. Listener, if you found us through a hashtag i'm so curious please yeah. please let us know let us know i'm us very intrigued. any anybody yeah. for a hashtag i'm curious what hashtag brought yeah what, actually, brought, ha- what hashtag rabbit hole did you go down because well, there's so many there's hashtag bookstagram yep. books uh lit literature book community book community NaNoWriMo is a big one i think oh um, yeah, yeah. Uh, author life yeah. like there's so many um so I'd be interested to see like what people are actually like yeah. picking up from that. I never go deep into it. I stay on the surface of Instagram. Well, yeah, I feel same. like there, I don't know if you guys feel like this, but I often am like there, I guess I don't engage with social media the way a lot of people do. Like it was a shock to me when my cousin was like, oh, I saw it on the Discover page. And I was like, the Discover page? <laughs> Who the I hell know, yeah, I never yeah, the Discover that. page? Like, but a lot of people do that. A lot of people use hashtags. Yeah. So I have to find my, I find myself in promoting the podcast having to to relearn again and again that other people don't interact with the world the way I do. And yeah. that's like a good positive thing to realize. But I was like, oh, it turns out social media companies know what the hell they're doing yeah. when they set these things up. And just because I don't engage with it that way doesn't mean it's not really useful yeah. for a lot of other people. But I but I agree as authors, we have to tread really carefully yes. through all that stuff to avoid oh, yeah. thing, spaces that we don't need to be in. So we... So it seems like none of us do hashtags. What about, because there's hashtags and there's also like social media events. Have you, either of you ever participated in anything? What is that? There's like, they have the 24 and 48, they have a lot of like reading marathons that have a hashtag or like, obviously NaNoWriMo is a big one, but they're um, like our friends over at Professional Book Nerds, they have hashtag read an ebook day. So there's like something where like everybody will read this. It was like an online book club or like they're like, it's like a social media event. And I have actually never participated in any of them. Oh. I haven't either. If, if someone, if it's like read a book day or something, I might post a book and be like, read you're a book like, day. You know, like, like I, but I do that every day. Yeah, yeah. I will sometimes, if I see people posting this kind of stuff, I will post my own, but I'm never going to click on the thing to see what people are reading. I, I guess. mean, when every time it's National Cat Day, which is like once a month. Sure. That I'm, all, I'm all about that. It's, it's yes. your yearly, nas- monthly National yeah. Cat Day. It's, it's cat. true. And I think, uh, I, I think it's really, really interesting to see what percentage we're all like actually like getting from all of this i think i more like to put stuff out into social i think all three of us are sort of 
on the same page where we're trying to limit the amount of social media that we use. Yeah. Very I, careful intake. What's interesting is I'm trying to limit my social media, but I do get, like, I get, I say like 10% of my book recs through social media, but I look at Book Riot a lot. I listen to a lot of book podcasts. I, now I really like looking at the Los Angeles Public Library page. Oh, I saw oh, that great. one. It's a good one. Yeah. They have good stuff on there actually. Yeah. Um, I have a question for y'all as authors. Do you feel like, because for a minute there, like in the filmmaking, acting world, it was like actually people will be like, well, you have to really get up your social media followers because they decide they look at that before they hire you. Right. Do you all feel like it's that way in the author world where people are like, we can't print your book. She, she only has 20 followers on Instagram. Absolutely not. No one cares. I, I, I no. definitely see like I, and I what's funny is I see it more on our side of the podcaster side where like, you know, a publicist will pitch an author to us and I'll look and they have like 100 followers on social media. I think a lot of authors now try to like they their book is ready to come on they're like oh shit i gotta make a twitter you remember very early on like two and a half years ago we had our friend nick white on the show oh yeah uh and he was like you know my publicist had to wanted to get me to make us make a twitter account everyone's gonna follow me on twitter and like he yeah it you know he was just building it up so i think it i definitely think it helps but i don't i think it helps with selling your book but i don't think it helps getting your book sold no, I would agree with that. I don't think that publishers very editors have to spend so much time in your book that I think like, okay, someone could be like Chrissy Teigen became amazingly famous on Twitter, right? So then she can sell a book because she created this wildly popular, right. like if you all of a I sudden become someone that has 70 million Twitter followers, then you can sell a you book. can sell a book. Great. Yes. But beyond that, I don't think, I think editors have to spend so much time with a book and that author that they, it has to be based on on merit with your yeah. writing for the most part. But then when it comes time to kick it over to publicists, they will care a lot and they will have thoughts about it. And if you do have a decent Twitter following, they will include in their marketing plan like uh, Sarah tweets on something about this. And I'm like, oh, that's funny. That's work for me. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah. that happens. And the filmmaking world's the same. You get the yeah. same email from the publicist. They're like, here's your tweets ready to go. And you're yeah. like, oh, okay. Great. Great. I, yeah, it's weird when you get those. Oh, what's interesting is I will never name names, at least while we're recording. Uh, but I have seen there's someone that we know that sold a book um, and it came out. And this person has a lot of Twitter followers and their book did not do very well. Uh-huh. So it can go in the other direction yeah. because that's what's interesting. It doesn't me. translate. It doesn't yeah. necessarily yeah. translate. It depends on how engaged you are with your followers. Also, like, like how are you on Twitter? You know, like I yes. want to read Patton Oswalt's books. He's yeah. very like personable. Yeah, His yeah, tweets yeah. are yeah. full of personality. Like I can tell if he can make me feel something or laugh in that short amount of time, then I I believe that 200 pages, John Hodgman, right? Same, same. same. Um, yes. But some people are on Twitter just, I, I like, you know, political anchors. Like, I'm not going to go buy Jake Tapper's book, but I love Tappity Taps. Yeah, yeah. See, there you go. <laughs> That's an interesting, Bria, would you ever buy a book for someone you just like follow on social media? Maybe. There's actually a few comedians, comedians specifically. This is a good translator for comedians, I yeah. think, because I will be laughing at them and then I'll see they're putting out a book and I'm like, interested because you made me laugh in a sentence i'm interested in what you have to say an entire book Mm -hmm. and then maybe if someone's saying a lot of things that i really deeply believe in like you know what um like we follow or i we were friends with um c robert cargill who i feel like his twitter is actually really inspiring for me as a writer yeah he does a lot of good writer tweets yeah he does and i would read a book i've read his books he's also a writer of fiction books but if he even wrote a non-fiction book about writing i'd read that too yeah you know like so i think it translates over if it's someone i'm really interested in and i like i feel like i could read what they what they're what they're selling you know what i mean yeah. if they're selling the thing that i'm interested in yeah. yeah oh there's definitely a bunch of authors on twitter that I have started following just because they're funny or yeah. whatever, and they put out a book, and I, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, I will totally buy it. I think, really, I think that's my favorite bookish social media discovery tool. It's just like interesting people on Twitter, and there's been so many great books that I have found and great authors, and then like I am will buy anything from yeah. them. Yeah. So you can send your thoughts on bookish social media to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com. Before we solve a bookish problem, we're going to take a quick break. Hello there, ghouls and gals. It is I, April Wolf. I'm here to take you through the twisty, scary, heart-pounding world of genre cinema on the exhilarating program known as Switchblade Sisters. The concept is simple. 
I invite a female filmmaker on each week, and we discuss their favorite genre film. Listen in closely to hear past guests like the Babadook director, Jennifer Kent, Winter's Bone director, Deborah Granick, and so many others every Thursday on MaximumFun.org. Tune in if you dare. <laughs> it's actually a very thought-provoking show that deeply explores the craft and philosophy behind the filmmaking process while also examining film through the lens of the female gaze. So, like, you should listen. Switchblade Sisters. So now it's time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Amy writes in, I have a question about reaching out to an author. I read the Queen of the Tearling series this summer and loved it. I wanted to reach out to tell her, but I can't find her anywhere. No email, no Twitter, nothing. Any suggestions on how I can reach out to her to tell her how much I loved her books? P.S. My wheelhouse is fiction with strong female protagonists with some sort of love interest, uh, particularly fantasy or historical fiction, anything with a gin. Uh, stories set in bookstores or libraries, anything set in the Netherlands, anything with a map in the front, <laughs> especially if the map extends throughout the series in Magic. Wow. I'm going to say Amy and I have very similar wheelhouses. Anything set in the Netherlands is such a funny specific. I know. We love the specific wheelhouses. It, it's so specific. I, I, y'all, I was just at Disney World. This is a total side note. I was just at Disney World, and apparently they used to have a Norway ride. A ride really? that was just to place in Norway. It was no longer there, and now it's frozen. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, that which sense. is even funnier. That's amazing. Uh, that it's frozen. And it's kind of like not not Norway looking. Like, it looks a little Norway-ish yeah. still. Like there's definitely like some things where I'm like, this was clearly part of the Norway ride and they just like made it that's look frozen. So it's really funny. Odd. So anyway. this question is interesting because it's kind of the opposite of what we're talking about today. What do you do when you want to talk to an author and they are... The unheard of author that isn't on social media. I was going to say, good for Erica Johansson. <laughs> yeah. Well Erica's on an island somewhere, yeah. drinking Living out of a coconut. In- she and Suzanne Collins are just hanging out yeah. in the woods. Yeah. I love this. I will say, so I did a little bit of research, um, and um, she does answer questions on Goodreads. Oh, this that's person. fascinating. So you can leave a comment there for her. Um, it seems like she answered questions in the last year. That's what I checked out. And there was definitely some. It's been a minute, but it has been in the last year. So if you have like, if you just want to say, I love you, I love your writing, that's a place I think you can do it. Because it, apparently she doesn't do any of the other stuff, but is willing to open herself up to Goodreads. <laughs> I would love to talk to her about that. Yeah. So my uh, tip for this is to reach out to her publisher. You can very easily find out who publishes uh, Queen of the Tearling, find out the imprint, and they're going to have some kind of contact information. Um Find them on their. You can find their social media. You can find, you. Some places have like an email address or a contact form on their website, um, and you can send their, your fan mail to them, and they'll forward it on to Erica. I've actually received physical fan mail from my publisher from people who this like it was really sweet. This like very old lady who wanted me to read her poetry collection like mailed it to my publisher, who then forwarded it on to me, um, and so they can email Erica for you. Yeah, and I think that's a really easy way. To, not easy, but like it, that's a good way to get get it to her. She has yeah. no direct contact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what I would say. You can look at the imprint um, in the all the info where it says the ISBN number or whatever. Look at the imprint, Google that imprint plus publicist, and you'll get an email. And they do read that, and they do forward it on to people, for sure. Um, she also has a mailing list. I found oh, that as well. Um, and so you can join the mailing list, which is not a way to get in touch with her directly. So if you're looking for that one-on-one that's not it. But I do think that that's a nice supportive way. And y'all can probably tell, speak to that better than me because I don't have a mailing list. But um, but yeah. it seems like that's a supportive way to support. Yes. I, I supportive do. way to support. I it do is. really like my mailing list. So here's an interesting question. Sarah, how do you like getting fan mail? Um, like what's your preferred venue of fan mail? I mean, God, I, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I guess I would be really squicked out if something just showed up to my house so i guess getting it from the publisher would be really nice yes because <laughs> it meant that someone protected like, yeah definitely don't look for people's addresses nope nope, nope. sure don't do that uh <laughs> i know other authors who have had stuff to show up at their house and they're like this deeply unsettling i definitely have and i tear it up and throw it in the garbage i don't yeah. open it does not get opened yeah if someone you send something to someone's house they're not going to open it if it's not oh, from someone they don't recognize i assume yeah. that it's full there's a demon in there yeah. and i will throw I, it right I, in the garbage i assume it's laced with anthrax <laughs> <laughs> there is a curse inside for sure um yeah so i don't know email i always have i have a contact form on my website so when i get emails and it tells me that it came through the website i feel fine about that i'm the same way because sometimes people and i feel really bad because people tweet at me and send me dms on instagram and sometimes like 
sometimes you miss a tweet, which is I feel really bad about. Because mm-hmm. um, sometimes will, people will be like, oh, I sent you something on Twitter. And I'm like, oh, I missed it. Or sometimes if people, d- if you DM someone on Instagram and they don't follow you back, it's going to go into your DM requests. And if yeah. they, sometimes I forget to check those and they disappear after like two yeah. or three weeks. Mm-hmm. So you're fan letter might just have disappeared yeah so i always i like getting stuff through my contact form on my website that's the best way for people to reach me i think that's because it's like a non-direct way and it's just very like how about this turn your fan mail into a review on amazon and make it five stars and help a sister out yeah honestly that's a really good way to do it Um, it, so seriously that you know erica might be reading her reviews yeah Yeah. a great way to start is by giving her a great review well we know she's logging into goodreads all right, because answering questions. You know who's definitely reading Erica's reviews? Her publisher, yeah. who might determine whether she can continue writing the series that you love. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, you know that's, that's a good pretty, advice. pretty um, concrete way to help writers you love is to review their books positively on the internet. Very good. Very good advice. <laughs> Great advice. So if you want us to solve your reader problem, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And Sarah, before you leave, we've got to ask, what is your reader wheelhouse? This was, I, I'm looking at my sheet here. I was like, oh my God, what is my wheelhouse? So I had to write it down. Um... It's not dissimilar from from the um, in. I, I was like, you love Netherland books. Oh, give <laughs> me two. Denmark. I can't get enough um, stories about women. I do primarily read stories about women, and I do like a sexy romance. Mm. Uh, I feel the need to, to emphasize sexy romance. I don't want like chaste, like sure. quick kisses. And then they have the like, Let's Rip go. Those <laughs> uh, but it can be a B plot. You know, I'm all about female self discovery. Um, and I, I read a ton of fantasy books, so I'm really into the fantasy or speculative fiction is probably like my favorite stuff. A little bit of a mystery. And I wrote here like, this is like last night I was watching the great British baking show, falling asleep on my couch. Like, what do I want to read? Uh, stuff about secret societies, lost islands, ancient, like untranslated texts, things like that are like, I'm, I'm obsessed with that kind of thing. So weird mysteries that are maybe occult adjacent. I'm into that stuff. Awesome. So where can we find you online and where can we buy Tell Me Everything? After all this conversation, I'm like, I'm online everywhere. (laughs) Um, I'm on on everything at Sarah Any. Um, My website is sarahenny.com. First Draft Pod is the website and the Instagram and the Twitter for First Draft Podcast. Um, And you can find First Draft Podcast anywhere. Find podcasts exist, um, uh, including uh, uh, iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Awesome. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. And as always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy who are on our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. And remember, if you want to support us, you can buy reading glasses, tote bags and shirts and bookmarks in the Maximum Fun store. There's a link in the show notes. And if you want to support the show for free, you can rate and review us on iTunes. We, I actually do look at those. Oh. nice reviewers of the internet uh we're cruising towards 800 reviews which is awesome wow. uh it's really great for us it helps us reach more readers it makes us feel very good about ourselves and our podcast and makes sean very happy i'm just kidding he never sean reads those. is not even paying attention <laughs> he, sean does not Hang care <laughs> you can email us at reading glasses podcast at gmail.com find us on twitter at reading g podcast on instagram at reading glasses podcast and you can always follow on on our bogus adventures using general hashtag reading glasses podcast thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for reading, reading. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.